Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, you are truly wonderful in all your ways. You are good, you are great, and Lord God, you are consistently patient. You are merciful and full of love. You are all-powerful. There isn't anything that you cannot do. So Father, Lord God, we come before you because we're dependent on your ways, we're dependent on your truth. Lord God, I pray that as we come before you this morning, that you would enlighten our eyes and open our ears to your words and to your truths. That, Lord God, everyone that is here this morning would understand and know that truly you are in our midst. That you would speak to them. That you would make yourself known to them in a wonderful way, Lord God. Pray, Father, for this morning for your word to go out unhindered by the enemy. Cast him out of this place. Shield us with your goodness and your love, Father. May you be here in our presence as we listen to your word, that we may eat and live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, we're going to continue. This is the last study on the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. So we've been going through um, the Lord's Prayer Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who uh, sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. And we are going to look at today, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This is an extraordinary way to end a prayer. This is a wonderful way to end a prayer. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Every Sunday morning we get together, we open up God's word, um, we, 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 we delve into this dish that God gives us to eat. It's the bread of life that, you know, we pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, and every Sunday we come and we delve into this dish. I don't know if uh, you guys get together at dinner time with your family and you watch everyone, how they kind of sit around the table ready to delve into their dish. My family don't like me talking about them, but sometimes I look at them and when they're eating, I look at how they all eat differently. I'm getting dirty looks from my children. <laughs> but people attack their meals differently, don't they? You've got some people who basically just delve into their dish. One of my boys, I won't say which one, eats with his hands, his fingers, you know. Because, and you look at him and he's eating and he's just consumed by what, you know, he just, he's just there and, you, you know, your appetite is lifted when, you, when you're looking at this person eat with their fingers. And, and some of you might be eating God's word like that, you know, you're licking your fingers, you're just digging deep. And then some of you might separate certain things you don't like in your plate. Hopefully not, you know. And hopefully when you come to hear Sunday morning message, you don't go like, well, I don't like my green peas, I'll just move them aside. I like the meat, you know, I just want to listen to that, but I don't like that point there, and I'll just move that aside. Well, some of you might rock up to the dinner table and uh, you say, here's your meal, eat, and you go, 
oh, I can't, I'm full. Like, what do you mean you're full? I just ate. And that's sad, really, because some of you, when you come this morning to hear God's Word, you might be full. You might be full by the world. You might be eating a lot of junk food. And when God is ready to dish out His meal, you're kind of oh, full. I'm just, you know, I've eaten too much of the world. You know, they filled me up. I'm not really hungry for God's Word. And that's unfortunate because it's like a waste of this beautiful moment where God is dishing out a wonderful meal and you get to taste Him and God says, come, taste, and see that I am good. But you're full. You're full. And if that's you this morning, come before God and say, Lord God, look, I've been consuming this world for far too long. You know, I've been fulfilling my desires, my needs and wants by the things that this world offers me, and I am full. I'm full, and I'm not really hungry for your word. I'm really tired, actually. When I come to a Sunday morning, I'm just tired. It's the same meal. It's the same dish. But I'm fortunate if you come like that this morning. But if you come wanting because you're hungry, God will not leave you to go out into the desert empty. You know when he multiplied the bread and the loaves and and the disciples said, you know, like, it's time for us to eat. And Jesus says, well, I can't. I can't leave these people hungry. It was his desire that he feeds them. He wants them to eat. And it's the same Sunday morning. God does not want you to go back into the wilderness not eating lest you faint. Because it's a cruel, dark world out there. And I don't know how, how anyone survives without Jesus by their side. I don't know how anyone survives without prayer uttering words to a living God who you so much need you to help you in your pit. I don't know how people do it. And God will not leave you empty. He won't send you off this morning without feeding you if you are hungry. If you're hungry. And that's okay because for me, my responsibility and my concern and my worry isn't the fact that, oh no, they, they, they better be fed because that's God's job. That's what God does. I don't know you. I can't meet your need. I don't know what to say to you, but I know God does, and God brought you here. So if you're hungry, He will feed you. I don't know what you need to eat, but I know God is a God where His Word is beyond just text. It's actually spirit. So when I read from His Word, it moves and touches every single person in this room. And that could be your confidence. That could be your guarantee that God will speak to me this morning despite that person who is ugly right standing before me, I know God can still speak because God will not send me empty. So how are you going to approach God's Word this morning? Are you going to dig deep and like listen intently? Or are you going to dis decipher and deci decide what, what I want to listen to, what I'll accept, what I won't accept? And that's what I've been practicing for a long time now as a Christian. You know, I listen to teachers and I listen to preachers and I, I dissect which one I want to take, which one I want to, you know. And that's how you rule your own religion, you know. Because when God speaks something that you don't want to hear, you say, well, no, that's not for me. That's not good. It's not healthy. It's like going to a doctor and saying, well, I won't take that medicine because it doesn't taste good. I'll take that medicine because it feels a lot better with soothing down my throat. But it's this medicine here that's going to be your healing power. But I don't like the taste of it. 
You can't think like that when it comes to God's Word. You've got to take it entirely. That's why people want to pick and they want to argue with God's Word because they want to make you feel like, oh, it's okay, you can take this and you can't. No, no. We believe in the Word of God in, in its entirety. Every single word, we believe in that. If doctors gave me a tablet and he says, I want you to have this tablet every single day and I choose that one day I won't take it. I can't complain with the doctor when I get there and I do my tests and he says, well, you're still sick. Because you didn't take it all. All of it. God's word is medicine to our soul. It is medicine to our soul. And the evidence of that is when you look at a world that is broken and defeated and sick because the word of God is vacant. It's the testimony of God's word. And you see God's word, you, you, you bring God's word into the lives of the broken and their lives are changed. You, you take God's word to prisons and the prisoners are set free. You take God's word to, to the streets and street kids are, are set, up, set free. Like you see the power of God's word. And then you look in dark places and you say, why it's dark? It's because God's word isn't there. It is a light to my path. That's God's word. So I pray this morning that you would listen carefully because I think this is a beautiful, beautiful uh, line in the prayer that Christ taught us to pray. For yours is the power, the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is how we finish off our prayer. Everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. And it's a beautiful way to finish a prayer because what you're saying is, this prayer belongs to you. I've asked you, Lord. I've demanded of you. I've said this and I've wanted that and I've praised you and I've glorified your name and I've asked you for your protection and I've asked you for your providence and I've asked you for all these things and I know that all things belong to you because yours is the kingdom. There isn't anything that is made that is not yours. Did you know even goodness comes from God? Goodness, goodness. James tells us that. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of lights. Make no mistake about it. Every single thing that is good comes from God. Don't be deceived by any other thing. Don't think that your boss is the guy who's supplying your money. Don't think that your house is the very thing that's sheltering you. Every good thing comes from God. Don't make any other uh, assumption or any other judgment. Do not err on this matter, James says. Don't be mistaken. Every good thing comes from above. Every good thing. That's why I feel sad for people when you tell them about Jesus Christ and they reject Jesus. They don't reject Jesus, they reject goodness. Like when you preach to someone, you tell them about God, and they say, no, 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 no. I feel my heart is broken because they're saying no to goodness. Because all things that come from Him is good. And you reject Him, what do you reject? Even, even the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, that you may be children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes his Son, his Son, S-U-N. He makes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good and send the rain on the just 
and on the unjust. This is how good God is. So even the evil get to experience the goodness of God because God is good. He makes His Son to also rise upon them. This is because God is good and to Him is the kingdom. He owns it. He rules it. All things belong to Him. You know, in the in in Old Testament, there's a prophet by the name of uh, Daniel who interpreted a dream. And in this dream that this king had by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, had a dream of, of, of about four kingdoms. Four kingdoms that were mighty and strong, and each kingdom um, was uh, getting weaker and weaker. By the time it got to the, the final kingdom, the fourth kingdom, there was one kingdom that was greater and stronger than all of them. And this kingdom was not from this earth. It wasn't from this, this place. It was carved without hands. It was like a stone that was shattered all the other kingdoms and it knocked the foundation of all the kingdoms. And that was the kingdom of God that belongs to God. See, when our king, Jesus Christ, rules, he rules with power. He's not a weak king. He knows how to judge the world. He knows how to judge your circumstance. He knows what your issue is. He knows what your problem is. And our king knows how to rule your kingdom your life, your way. And so when we pray this prayer, we acknowledge that whatever we've just said, whatever we've just expressed, it belongs to you now, God. This is the power of this prayer. Remember we went through the peace, peace, peace? This is the proclamation. This is what you're proclaiming. That what I've just shared and said and spoken to you, God, I know that in the end... You rule a kingdom and you are able to rule and control everything that I've asked and I've put it before you because it belongs to you. This is what we pray at the end of, 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 of a prayer. I don't know if that's what your prayers are like. Because the summary, the sum up of your prayer is this. Yours is the kingdom, God. My child is sick. My child is sick. But yours is the kingdom. It belongs to you. I've been sacked from work, Lord. But yours is the kingdom. It belongs to you. My children have gone astray, but yours is the kingdom, Lord. I have a deceased in the family, but yours is the kingdom, Lord. My relationship is broken, but yours is the kingdom, Lord. My husband doesn't understand me, but yours is the kingdom, Lord. And that's why it goes on to say, for yours is the kingdom and the power. You have the power, Lord. This is why I'm praying to you. Not only do you rule as a king who is just, but you have the power to rule. It belongs to you, for yours is the power. There's a story about a missionary by the name of um, Herbert Jackson who had been assigned a certain place where he had to um, minister. And they gave him this car that he would have to push every day to get it started. So every morning he would go to the car and he'd have to try and push it. Every morning this was his car that they gave him as a missionary. Till he worked out a very clever way. He thought, you know what? I'm working among these young, young students, I think, 
And he gathers these students and he gets them in every morning to come and push the car for him. Because it happens to be in the same location. And he did that. And it worked well in his mission field. Till he kind of finished over two years of ministry work because of some illness. And a new missionary came. And he was showing him the car and he was saying, here's the car that they provided. Uh, it's a good car, but you've got to uh, push it in the morning. And the, this other missionary looks at it and goes, oh yeah, and he opens up the, the bonnet. And he looks and he's tampering with the engine a little and he noticed that there's a hose that's pulled out and he puts the hose in. He goes, oh, there's your problem. For two years, two years he had people pushing this car, two years. And what was missing was this, with this cord, that, the cord that had to be plugged in. And then the power of the car started. The power, the cord, the prayer, the prayer, the connection to the power was loosed. It wasn't plugged in. Because yours is the power, O Lord, and prayer is the cord. I'm plugging it in. I'm asking you, Lord. Listen to this beautiful passage by Job. Chapter 26, verse 7 to 14. He stretches out the north over the empty spaces. He hangs the earth on nothing. He hangs the earth on nothing. 4,000 years ago, this was penned down. He hangs the earth on nothing. Our understanding of gravity came only around 300 years ago. 4,000 years ago, we are told by this man, a simple man, that the, the world is, is gravitating on nothing. This is why I know this is God's word. Who told this man? He wasn't a scientist. But the Spirit of God was at work 4,000 years ago, speaking to the hearts of people, enlightening their eyes, opening their, 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 their ears to his ways. He says, you are so powerful, God, that you've taken the earth and you've just, it just hangs there. Did he have, what, a telescope? It hangs there. That's how strong you are. And how strong is that? How strong is that, that the globe just, just hangs? We think gravity is a strong force. But who hung it there? That's how powerful you are, God. If you can hang the earth like this, surely you can hang my issues, you know, over, over, over there. Just take them over there. He binds up the water in his thick clouds, yet the clouds are not broken under it. He binds up the water in thick... Who taught him about evaporation and condensation? Was he, he, was, he was a simple man, but he saw the power of God. He knows that the that, that, that clouds, they hold the water that bring the rain. Who told him that? This is because the Bible's inspired word of God, that's why. So anyone who, who denies the Bible denies the truth of God, den denies the existence, the reality of God and his power. See, see God, the devil knows that anyone who comes in contact with God will be granted the power to be set free. 
Anyone who comes in contact with the living God will be healed, changed, transformed. So I've got to get people away. I've got to get people away from God. I've got to get people uh, questioning him. So I've got to attack his word to the point where I've got to tell people it's not his word anymore. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Don't listen to it. But you can't. I mean, how do you, how do you argue this? How do you argue a 4,000-year-old book, even long, probably older than that, that tells me that the world is basically hanging in the universe, that the clouds hold in the water, Verse 9, he covers the face of his throne and spreads his cloud over it. He drew a circular horizon. A circular horizon. What is that even? How does he know 4,000 years ago that the world is round? There you go, all the flat earth theorists. The circular horizon. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his rebuke. He stirs up the sea with his power. Listen to this beautiful thing. And by his understanding, he breaks up the storm. By his understanding, he breaks up the storm. Another version of the Bible says something like, by his command, he stills the the calm. It's like a prophecy of Jesus Christ before Jesus even came. Merely by who he was and what he said, he calmed the storm. This is prophesied 2,000 years before Jesus came. And people want to doubt God's word. Why am I spending so much time in God's, uh, regarding God's word? Because the power is in his word. The power of God is in his word. If you listen to it and you obey it, you experience power that the world can't give you. It doesn't come through counseling. It doesn't come through uh, a book. It comes through the power of God himself. If you heed his command, you listen to it and you obey it, you will experience a power that happens from within and transform you on the out. Because it's a living word. It's, that's why it's living. It's made for the living. It's made to be lived. It breathes. It's the living word. And then Job goes on to say, By his spirit he adorned the heavens. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. That's another prophecy. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. 2,000 years before Jesus. Indeed, these are the mere edges of his ways. And how small a whisper we hear of him. Can you, do you know what he's saying? He's saying, the power of God that I've just described to you is such, it's like a little smudge of what I'm trying to express. It's like a mere whisper of how powerful he is. He goes, can you imagine if it was the thunder? Like if if I really got into it, if I really told you about his power. He goes on to say, indeed these are mere edges of his ways and how small a whisper we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? Now you tell me, when you pray to God because of our Father who art in heaven, and then you say, Lord God, 
Yours is the kingdom and the power. What's in your mind? Like a, like a, little, a little poke at your problem? Or a whole binding of the issue? Bound and there, put at the feet of Jesus and says, you have the power. You can tie, you can untie, you can release, you can loose, you can do whatever you want. You have the power. And this is the prayer of every Christian. The true, true, fervent prayer of every Christian. That when you pray, it's not like some kind of a... You're praying, believing, yours is the kingdom and yours is the power. And then he goes on to say, for yours is the power and the glory. This is the intent. Why am I even asking you, Lord? Where's the thrill in my body and my expectation? Where is it, Lord? Well, it's in your glory. I want to see you glorified, God. I need, I need you to heal my child because you have the power and I want you glorified. What joy. Is that not the most exciting thing when you ask God for something so that he can be glorified? Because I tell you the truth, I honestly believe in my heart that if you seek God and you seek his glory alone, his glory alone, far more greater than your sorrow and your pain and your suffering, that you want him to be glorified, you're probably most likely going to have your prayer heard all the time. But when you consume it upon your own lusts, I need you to help me here, I need you to help me there. And it has nothing to do with the glory of God, it just has to do with your well-being. Then you're tossed to and fro, whether God will and God won't. God will, God won't. But if you say, Lord God, to yours be the glory... I want to see you, when I pray for someone and I want, I want them healed, Lord, I want them healed, not so that they can feel better. I want them healed so that when the people say, how did they get healed? We can say, God, you healed them. So that everybody says, well, that's God. That's why I'm praying what I'm praying. That's why I'm saying what I'm saying. Because I know, one, yours belongs everything. Two, you have the power to do it. And three, you're going to be glorified. And this is the summary of our prayer. You know, there's a, there's a story of a man, when we talk about glory, a story of a man on his high horse, beautiful white horse, um, dressed in beautiful fine linen, and he's got a nice beautiful feather in his hat, and everyone looks at him and says, oh, what a glorious body, what a glorious person. And this person who was talking about this, describing this character says, How foolish it is to think that the man gets the glory, the bird gets the glory, the tailor gets the glory, and the horse gets the glory, but not that man. It's like us, with all our gifts and all our talents, how foolish it is to think, look at this guy, whoa, look at this artist, whoa, look at this sportsman, whoa. God gets the glory. God gets the glory. Oh, what a wonderful person. All good things come from God. God gets the glory. What a nice guy. All good things come from God. God gets the glory. He's only nice because God is good. He's, a, he's, a, he's only a nice guy. He's a great person only because God is good. All God has to do is turn his face the other way and all of a sudden we shrivel into evil. God gets the glory. And do you know what's the most beautiful thing about that God gets the glory? 
God gets the glory, but he gives his glory to those who he loves. Did you, he shares his glory with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God gives no, his glory to no man? Only him. But did you know when you start reading the New Testament, you start to understand that God gives his glory to his children. Listen to this verse here. In John chapter 17, verse 22 to verse 23. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. This is Jesus talking to the Father. The glory you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and loved me, as you have loved me. This is why, this is why, God, I want the world to know. I want you to be glorified. That's why the glory that is given to you, the Bible says, let your light so shine forth that they may see your good works and do what? Glorify, Glorify your Father which is in heaven. We get to share. We get to share this glory with God. So when we're praying our prayer, we're saying, Lord, I want to see you glorified and I want to see it. I want to see that power so that everybody may know you. How awesome is that? You know, uh, Johann, Johann uh, Sebastian Bach, the great musician, every time he wrote his compositions, he wrote this at the top, JJ, Jesus Juva, which means Jesus help me. And then he would always end with SDG, Sole Dei Gratia, which means to God alone the praise. He even says, all music should have no other end and aim than the glory of God and the soul's refreshment. Where this is not the case, then this is not real music, but only devilish hubbub. Because he understood everything came from God and only God gets the glory. And I believe every Christian, they live their life in such a way that everything that they do and everything that they say isn't about them. It's about the glory of God. When someone says, you're awesome, man, the person says, I'm not awesome. God is good. I'm only what I am because of him. That everything that is good, oh man, look at, the, look at, look at how beautiful uh, your life is. My life is only the way it is because of God, because God is good. God is the one who gets the glory. I'm just a guy riding a white horse with a feather on my head. But everyone else is the people that made me and built me and I am who I am. Because God is good. Now, when, when Jesus says, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. He says something quite beautiful at the end. He says, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Forever. Amen. Forever and ever, amen. It doesn't end. The kingdom of God doesn't end. The power of God doesn't end. And the glory of God doesn't end. You know, faith ends. Faith ends. You know that? One day faith is going to end. You're not going to require faith in heaven anymore. But the glory of God never ends. The, the, the power of God never ends, and his kingdom is eternal. In fact, there's another version that says, from entity to entities, from eternity to eternity. This is the prayer. 
We acknowledge, God, that you are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords, that all power belongs to you and all glory is yours. I'll leave you this prayer. Take a hold of it. This is what we pray. This is how he ends. The great proclamation. And that's why in the kingdom of heaven, when you read through the book of Revelation, you will find verses like this, Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, which is about the end days, which is about the kingdom of God. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, power, for you created all things, and for your pleasure they were created. And it's not just in the heavens where people declare forever and ever His glory and His power. And every creature in Revelation chapter 5, which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such that are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto Him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. This is the Spirit of our, of our prayer. The, the whole world is praying it. The, the urchins underneath, creatures on top, they're all crying out glory and power to the King of Kings forever and ever. Revelation chapter 19, verse 1. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Do you know who these people are? Do you know who these people are? It's you guys. This is a book of prophecy. Crying out, hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor, the power unto the Lord of our God. How awesome is that? We're looking right here and seeing the future. All the people singing praise and glory and honor to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Those who put their trust in him. Those who knew that there was nothing in this world that was worthy of any glory other than Jesus Christ. That I don't care about my car, I don't care about my house, I don't care about my brands, I don't care about what I look like. But the King of Kings, the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's all we desire. I just want to see Him lifted up. Don't you? I just want to see Him lifted up. Why, why do we counsel? Why do we preach? Why do we teach? Why do we, why do we help each other out? Because I just want to see Jesus. I just want to see Jesus lifted up. Why don't we get paid? Because we don't do it, but we want to, we want to see Jesus lifted up. So when we pray, we pray concluding Lord, you know my heart. You know everything I need. You know, Lord God, where I am. I've asked you to forgive me my sins. I've asked you, Lord God, to heal this and save that. And Lord God, I'm going to leave this prayer with no more anxiety. I'm going to leave this prayer in faith. I'm going to leave this prayer in peace. Why? Because he told me this is how I should pray. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory. You've got no other way to leave a prayer. When you pray, there's an intent that he heard me. And I've acknowledged consciously, I've spoken to my soul. I've said to my soul, God is in control. Get off your knees and go now. This is what God, Christ, wanting us to pray like. 
Not like sometimes when you pray, you, you lay it down and you say, Lord God, please, please help me. And then you get up and say, Lord, help me. There's a difference here. Lord God, help me. And you get up, I'm waiting on, on the Lord. I'm waiting, He's going to help me. Because His is the power, the glory, now and forever. Amen. So, for yours is the power, is a confession. It's an acknowledgement. And yours is the glory, is the intention. There's a confession, and this is the reason why I'm confessing it. Because yours is the glory. So, brothers and sisters, let me finish off. Let me finish off. We've been looking at the Our Father. If you haven't been here for all the, the study, it's good to go through from the start till the end if you, if you can listen to the whole study and know how good this is. That God in heaven has allowed me to come before his ears. Not only has he allowed me, he permits me. Not only has he permitted me, he demands me, he commands me, he desires for me to come before him, to speak to him, and to speak to him in faith, and to speak to him boldly, and to speak to him confidently, so that I may know him and his glory and rise up in confidence that my God hears my prayers. God hears me. Do you understand? <laughs> what more can you give me? What can you, what, what can you give me? God hears me. Where am I lacking? God hears me. What more do I need? God hears me. And this is the glory of what Jesus Christ allowed us to experience because of his death and what he did. This is what was not given to the Old Testament folk. These are given to the people who came to him at the cross and said, Lord God, you've opened up the kingdom for me. You've allowed me into entrance into this kingdom, a relationship with the living God. And God wants to prove his, his power. He demands you to come and talk. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I find it interesting when Christians go in life lacking. When Christians go through life lacking. Certain things in their life, certain areas where they're missing something. When Christ has given us the riches of heaven. When God has given us his ears. I think people go through life lacking because they don't really, really believe or trust and they still want to hold on or be consumed by their own desires their own lusts their own wants there's a love that is greater than the love that you have and that's the love of God shed abroad in your heart and if you're hungry for this love and you can measure your love compared to the love of God and you say, Lord God, my love is fleeting. But your love is what I need. 
I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your strength. I need you to show me your power. And if you're hungry for this, I believe Jesus Christ reveals himself to you because he wants to be glorified. If you want to see the power of God in your life, honestly, brothers and sisters, and if you're here for the first time, if you want to see the power of God in your life, then unplug all the other power supplies that you have that's not from Him. Cut them off. Those things that you depend on that is not of God, get rid of them. Those things that you rely on that's not from Him, get rid of them. And just plug in to Jesus. His power. His grace. If you're lacking power, if you're controlled by your own nature, your own selfish desires, your own carnality, and you want the power of God, come, I'll pray for you. You can know Jesus Christ in a powerful way because he wants to glorify himself in you. If you confess him as your Lord and Savior and you believe in him with all your heart, God will deliver you. He will save you. And he will reveal himself to you. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your lips that he is Lord, your journey with him begins. A journey of glory and of power and of strength. And he'll start cleaning your life up. He'll make it right. He'll make it good. And he will lead you into eternity. Whatever the Lord is speaking to your heart about, that you must do or listen. That very thing that He's calling you to, that is what you must lay at His feet. With a confident heart, with a heart of faith. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory belong to him. You can leave your issues, your problems behind you now. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory.